So the word I'm sharing with you this morning is, you shall receive power. That's the title, but also let it just begin to ignite faith. Even right now, you shall receive power. Would you say that with me? You shall receive power. Please turn so long to Acts chapter one, and we'll get there in a few moments' time. Now, just before we get into Acts one, I wanna say that as a church, and even in our nation, we have been sensing revival stirrings. And I don't use that description lightly. We've truly, since about July this year, began to sense a greater awakening, a greater sense of revival stirrings in what the Lord is doing. And so we wanna continue to minister in line with those stirrings, hence the title today, You Shall Receive Power. Just to mention, at the beginning of the year, we did like a nine-week series on the book of 1 Peter, and then I said towards the end of the year, we're gonna do a series on 2 Peter, but with what God has begun to stir recently, I have felt just to hold back on 2 Peter for a little bit, because I don't wanna just lock us into very, very structured teachings over the next, whatever, six weeks, because I feel we need to make room to flow with the Holy Spirit. Is anybody in agreement with that? Just to flow with the Spirit of the Lord and let Him be a light and lamp unto our feet, lead us step by step. And so let's keep pressing forward together. Amen? All right, here we are. We're reading Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, And being assembled together with them, he, that is Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let those few words just stand out to you. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, now he focuses on what they should be focusing on. And let me also just say this, sometimes we can be overly concerned about the times and the seasons of the end time, and God has said, no, 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 but you focus on this. Verse eight, now there's nothing wrong with eschatology, focusing on the end times, it's fantastic, but sometimes our obsession is just wanna know when's it gonna happen, what's gonna happen, how soon? And this is what God says. Jesus said to his disciples when they asked that, verse eight, he says, but you shall receive power. There's our sermon title right there. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, 
Now listen to what happened next. It's the ascension. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel that can only be angels who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Can we just thank the Lord for his word, amen? We praise God for his word. Now please keep this passage open. Before we move on to the points that I wanna share, let me say this. I am so blessed by this last verse, which says, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I wanna say it boldly and clearly, Jesus Christ is coming again. You can get a little bit more excited than that. Jesus Christ is coming again. He is coming. You know, some people have nonsense ideas and they say, no, Jesus is not gonna come again as a person, but like in a spiritual sense, he's already come and then he's kind of amongst us in a spiritual sense. No, the Bible says the same Jesus, the same person of Jesus that they saw go into heaven, it says will so come in like manner. In the same way that they saw the physical Jesus going up into heaven, Jesus Christ will come in the clouds once again to receive us, and that is the rapture of the church. Don't let anybody lie to you. The same Jesus will come in like manner. Amen. Amen. He will come in like manner. I feel that there's not enough churches and pastors speaking about the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to talk about it more. Now, there are four points I'd like to share with you, and I'm gonna spend more time on point one. So here we go, number one. The Holy Spirit and power go together. Please say this with me out aloud. The Holy Spirit and power go together. May I ask you, do you believe that? Is that the conviction of your heart? You know, some people, I think they want the power of God, but they don't want the Holy Spirit. It's just not how it works. The Holy Spirit is the key to discovering the power of God. If there is no relationship with the Spirit, then there will be no power. Conversely, when there is a healthy relationship with the Spirit of God, then there will be a good flow of life and power. Now look at verse eight, the first part, Jesus says, but you shall receive power. You know what this tells me? Jesus is only gonna give us things that we need. You shall receive power. In other words, we need this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. One of my questions that I ask is this. When will you receive power? Well, according to what we've just read, it is only if and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's only if and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Have you received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, which Jesus said you shall receive power? Have you received 
that power. Now, the Greek word for power is the word dunamis. Would you please say that? Dunamis. This is where we get our English words like dynamic from. And dynamite comes from dunamis. What does dunamis mean? It means force. It means explosive power or supernatural ability. And the reality is that the power that we receive from the Holy Spirit includes a, a, a force or a, a propelling within us. It also includes boldness. It includes courage. It includes confidence. It includes ability. And do you know that we really need these things? <laughs> we really do. To accomplish the plan and the purpose that God has for each of our lives, we need what God has said he wants to give us. You see, you don't witness in your own strength. You do it in his supernatural power. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we need more power in the churches in South Africa. Would you agree with that statement? We really do. Some, some places have a form of godliness, but they've denied the power of God. We need more of the power of God in the churches, and the Holy Spirit is always the key, because when the power of God is on the scene, the Holy Spirit is present. Some people have referred to the Spirit of God as being the muscle of God or the power of God. When you see the manifestation of the power of God, it is, there's no doubt the Holy Spirit is bringing that about. And the world needs to see the explosive power of the Spirit in the church today. The world is waiting for the revelations of the sons of God and the daughters of God. The world does not wanna see Christians who are dead and defeated. The world needs to see Christians who truly have the power of God in their lives. And that's you and me, child of God. Now, here's the sad thing. And you need to listen carefully to this. Some Christians see no need for the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't understand it. I'm thinking, how can you live like that where you literally, you see no need for the power of the Holy Spirit and they believe that all that is needed is salvation and then they put a full stop there. But I wanna tell you today, that is not what Jesus preached and I'll back it up because you know what? Jesus instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Spirit of God to come upon them. So when we say, well, we don't even need the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in disagreement with what Jesus teach, taught because Jesus knew that his disciples still needed something of critical importance and it was the Holy Spirit. I put this to you, that if the power, what happened there? It sounded like a light, a light went. Okay, the power, that wasn't sound effects, by the way. Whoa, some people getting nervous, the power of God. <laughs> now, I put it to you this way, that if the power of the Spirit wasn't necessary, then Jesus would have sent his disciples out right away, but he didn't, because here he is. And he's talking to them about you shall receive power not many days from now. 
The reality of the fact is this, that if they didn't read the power of the Holy Spirit, then Jesus right there could have said, go for it, go for it. Go tell the message of the gospel. Go spread the gospel. But he didn't. He said, you wait in Jerusalem until you have been endured with power from on high. You wait in Jerusalem. This is so powerful, people. And so I ask you, have you waited in your spiritual Jerusalem? Because it's wonderful if you have come to salvation in Jesus. Praise God. It is wonderful if you have been through believer's baptism, laying down your old life, rising up to new life in Christ. But don't stop there. Jesus said, don't stop there. He said, wait in Jerusalem because you will be endured with power and you've got to have the power of God. So the big idea is that we genuinely need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit empowers us in a variety of ways and one of the key ways is he empowers us to be witnesses. Would you please say witnesses? It says in verse eight, the second part, and you shall be witnesses to me. These are the words of Jesus. We're disciples, we listen to his words. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And by the way, if you look at all those regions and the concentric circles just going out from there to the next, to the next, to the next, we realize this that we are actually, as God's children, equipped for worldwide influence. And so I wanna say, don't let your vision be too small. Really. Because God can do more than you're thinking right now. God can do more than what you are dreaming right now. If I look back to my dad's life, and I asked my dad in the early days, before you started to experience just such growth and blessing in the church, what was your vision? And explain the vision. But you know what God did in the end? Far greater than my dad was thinking or imagining. And so we are equipped for worldwide influence. It is our assignment to carry the gospel throughout the world. And I think to myself, in terms of that assignment, what a calling, what a privilege, what a commission, but also what a vast mission field that God has given us. Now, what does it mean when we say, be a witness? God says, be my witness. Well, it simply means telling people about Jesus and what he has done. And I want to say that we must not complicate witnessing. Some people think, well, only if you've done certain courses and certain Bible studies can you begin to be a witness. No, don't complicate it. Witnessing is just telling people about Jesus about what he's done, about the fact that you don't need to die because Jesus died in your place and instead he gives you his righteousness because he wipes away your sins and you come into this relationship. It's just telling people about what Jesus has done. But listen to this. When Jesus said, you will be witnesses, there's something that we need to understand here is that, and it is this, that it was a command. <laughs> you see, in our modern world today, it's like people say, don't tell me what to do. Shush, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> but you know what? When God says it, we say, yes, sir. Yes, Father. We will do it. 
And so I put to you today that this is a command. This is not an option, witnessing. Witnessing is not an option that we get to like, yeah, I like that one, I'll do that. Or no, I decline that, I reject that. Because we are disciples and we have laid down our lives and our crosses and we've taken up the cross of Jesus, when he says we need to be witnesses, we say, yes, God. If you want it for me, it's probably the best thing for me that I would be a witness for you. And so also to say this, that we are called to tell people about Jesus, listen to this, regardless of the consequences. Have you noticed how it almost seems to be more people in the world, unbelievers, are more and more resistant and hostile to the gospel? Are you noticing that? People are like, don't talk to me about your God and so on. And sometimes it's not easy to be a witness and sometimes we encounter hostility and by the way, don't be a Bible puncher, be a person who lives a real life where your life is speaking but not only your life, you also have to open your mouth at some point in times. And so there's greater and greater resistance to the gospel but nevertheless, we are called to be witnesses and we must keep on declaring this. Do you know that the early apostles faced severe opposition to them being witnesses? Very severe. Do you know that it was only John out of all the apostles who did not die a martyr's death for witnessing about Jesus? It was only John. John died in exile. But all the other 11 apostles became martyrs for their faith. So as Jesus is saying, listen, you are gonna be my witnesses. What some of them didn't realize is that meant they were gonna lay their lives down as witnesses for Jesus. Are you still prepared to be a, a witness for God? Sometimes in the future, it's not gonna be easy, but I wanna say you declare it in any case. And nevertheless, what those apostles faced, God empowered them by his spirit to be faithful witnesses, even in the most severe opposition. And if you're in an environment where there's severe opposition, I believe and declare that God will empower you. So that's the first point, a very important one. I said I was gonna spend a lot of time on that. The Holy Spirit and power go together, and that power is primarily one of the big things to be witnesses. Number two, don't let fear intimidate you, but know you have a spirit of power. Notice that phrase, a spirit of power. Say that with me, a spirit of power. So instead of fear, we have a spirit of power. I'll just read this verse to you because it is one that's very well known. 2 Timothy 1 verse seven. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to you afresh. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's the truth today, are you hearing? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So take note of spirit and power in that work. We have a spirit of power. I believe the correct way to understand this verse of scripture is to realize that instead of fear, we have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Uh, mostly, we, we say God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's right. But 
actually the correct way to say it is we don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. That brings a greater sort of like power into that verse. Now, maybe you've never seen it like that before, but I would suggest to you that this is correct hermeneutics, biblical interpretation. And the Amplified Bible confirms this in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, but he has given us a spirit of power. So you and I, we have a spirit of power by the Holy Spirit. Would you please tell the person next to you, you have a spirit of power. Tell them that right now. You have a spirit of power. But why the need? Why do we need that? Why do we need a spirit of power? I believe that it is because you cannot effectively fight fear in your own natural ability. You have to have God's help. You have to have his power to stand strong and reject the enemy. Listen to what one theologian says about the spirit of power. He says, the spirit of power is the spirit of man indwelt by the spirit of God imparting power. I'm gonna say that again. The spirit of power is the spirit of man indwelt by the spirit of God imparting power and this power casts out fear from ourselves and motivates us to cast it out of others. So beautiful. So the Spirit of God is actively at work. He's imparting this power into your spirit man and therefore you can say, I have a spirit of power. Would you please say this aloud after me? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is the spirit of power. power. He comes upon me comes upon to empower me. You know what? I believe that there are many things that God calls you and I to do, and we can't do them in our own ability, but he gives us a spirit of power to do that. There's books that God wants you to write, and he wants to give you a spirit of power to do that. There's companies and branches and divisions that God wants you to open up, and he wants to give you a spirit of power to do that. There's courses that you need to sign up for and degrees that you need to register for. And God says, I'm gonna give you a spirit of power because I'm gonna use that for you to be very influential. You know what? I believe that God gave me a spirit of power to plant Choose Life Church. I really believe it because, you know, there were many fears trying to attack me at that point in time. But I don't know how to say it other than God was propelling me forwards. Dunamis, force. God was propelling me and he was forcing me forward. And so therefore, I cannot take the credit for what God has done, but the credit and the glory goes to God in Jesus' name. Because he empowered me and he'll do the same for you. And I want to say, listen to this carefully. Fear stops people's dreams. Don't let fear stop your dream, but stand up in the power of the Spirit and do what God has called you to do. Number three, the Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate His power through you. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate His power through you. It's a wonderful thing. And here we see, 1 Corinthians 2, verse four and five, I'll read it to you. It talks about Paul ministering to the Corinthians, but it seems like he's a little nervous. 
Paul said, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, in slick preaching, if I can put it that way, but in the power of God. So notice the phrases, demonstration of the spirit and power of God. I've read a lot about Paul's life over the years. And it is my understanding that Paul, we know him as this great apostle. And that's exactly who he was. But it's my understanding that Paul was actually somewhat weak within himself. He was weak in himself, and that's why he was ministering to the Corinthians, according to verse three, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Yet God used him. And the apostle Paul also said the following. He said, I will gladly boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so Paul is this wonderful example of God using a weak person and God does it because he wants to confound the strong and the mighty. Because at the end of the day, then you know it was God who did the work and not the vessel through which he worked. Perhaps Paul would have never won the best speaker of the year award. Perhaps uh, he would have never achieved accolades like that, but despite that, he was greatly used of God. You know why? Because he relied on God's power, and God will greatly use you if you will rely on his power. Do you know that Paul was utterly dependent upon God? Now, there's a scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't put this in my notes, but I just wanna mention this. There's a scripture that says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Interesting scripture. Basically, being poor in spirit means I am dependent. <laughs> it means I realize I cannot get it all done on my own. It, it makes me say that I can't do it, but God can. I don't have the resources, but he does. And God says that if you are poor in spirit, in other words, you are dependent, then you will see the kingdom of heaven, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you begin to see the kingdom of God opening up in front of you and expanding in front of you. Why? Because you are dependent. And so Paul was utterly dependent on God. He knew that slick words would never transform any heart. No motivational speaking can transform a heart, but only the power of God can do that. Are you hearing, child of God? You shall receive power. Only the power of God can transform a heart. You might be here today and you're feeling really weak. You might say, I can so relate to Paul. In many ways, I too, I can so relate to Paul. But the good news is, God uses weak people. <laughs> God does, he uses weak people. Just make sure you depend on his power. Don't rely on your amazing personality. Don't rely on your IQ. Don't rely on how fantastic your people skills are. It's great that you've got all those things, but rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, point number four, the last point. In the midst of a broken world, God's Spirit empowers us with hope. 
Please say this aloud with me. In the midst of a broken world, God's Spirit empowers us with hope. Would you please turn so long? The last scripture I want you to look at is Romans 15, verse 13. Please turn there. Romans 15, verse 13. As you turn in there, I want to say this, that the other day, I was feeling really discouraged about South Africa. It was getting to me. It was getting me down. And you know, you think of all the stuff going on and the corruption the dysfunction, the load shedding, and so on. Now, don't be super spiritual for a moment here. Can anyone relate to sometimes feeling like this is a bit much? Raise a hand, raise a hand. Okay, for those people that never raised a hand, uh, do you want more load shedding? Uh, you just love this, you just love. Oh, test me, Lord, some more. Come on, be real, people, be real. And so I just found myself, man, it's like, this is too much. Lots of stuff going on. And so I found that I had to pull myself towards myself, but it's not pulling yourself towards yourself. I had to redirect my focus to the Lord because in Him is all the hope that we need. And the moment you begin to redirect your focus to the Lord, He restores your soul. He restores your hope. And by the way, this aspect of looking around and everything's going so rough, I thought of the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. It says we are perplexed, but not in despair. And somehow the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't allow us to get into that pit of despair. Praise God, true hope does not despair. Do you get that? True hope does not disappoint. Now, look at verse uh, 13 of Romans 15, which I asked you to turn to, and this is the most beautiful scripture, I think, in the whole Bible when it comes to hope. Let God talk it to you today. It says, now, may the God of hope, can I ask where you're looking for hope? God of hope, it's in him. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and here it comes that you may abound, please say the word abound. Abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I notice the phrases there, power of the Spirit and abound in hope. We're talking about you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit. The amazing thing is, the Holy Spirit causes you to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you realized what the Holy Spirit does in terms of hope. And realize that hope comes by means of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who infuses the soul with hope. Now, I've seen some of these fancy teas that people drink. By the way, I used to drink tea and then I got saved. Now I drink coffee. <laughs> Praise the year. Now, sometimes when my tummy's upset, I drink rooibos. <laughs> now, I drink tea sometimes. But why drink tea when you can drink coffee? Anyhow, let me not get uh, sidetracked here for a moment. But you get some of these herbal teas, and they make the box and the packaging look so fancy, and it says herbal infusion. And you just married, you imagine like the infusion. And it takes boring, boiling water 
and the infusion of all those herbs and goodies and so on, and please don't put dacha in your tea, okay? I'm talking nice herbs, all right? Christian herbs, good herbs. And it infuses it and it tastes a whole lot better. And then you look around and you think, well, I wonder if this is true that I'm gonna live for 15 years longer because of this herbal tea and green tea and so on. But I love that aspect that it infuses into the water and the Holy Spirit infuses His hope into your heart. It's part of what He does. Just seek Him, just ask Him. You know, as I'm drawing to a close, uh, let me share this little story because hope is so important. Listen to that, hope is so important. I know somebody who took his life on Friday. Not in this congregation. And recently, in the last couple of months, I've heard of quite a number of people ending their lives. And, and it's, it's, it's one of the greatest tragedies to, to do that. And you know what? It makes me realize we need hope. We need hope. And even as believers, when we get hope deferred, we have to look to God for our hope. We need hope. And so I heard about this young Jewish boy. He lived in Auschwitz, the concentration camp. Conditions were appalling there. They basically lived in squalor. Food was hard to come by. And yet when the Hanukkah festival came, his father, this young boy's father, would take a lump of butter and he would use it to light a lamp on that evening. Now, they had meager supplies. They almost had nothing, but yet, and, and the son was shocked saying, Dad, why would you take of the precious little that we've got and, and use it to burn a lamp for an hour or two? And his dad said to him, you can live without food for a little while, but you cannot live without hope. Isn't that true? You cannot live without hope. And so it's so important that we look to our source as you're listening to me today, perhaps you might have been very discouraged of late. Maybe you even had the thought of ending it and we as your family want to say, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Talk to us. Talk to one of the pastors. Let us meet with you and pray for you. But if you felt discouraged of late, let me just share a verse with you. Psalm 42 verse 11, it says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? And then it gives the instruction. Put your hope in God. Not put your hope in the government, in politicians, in the economy changing, in the fuel price hopefully, hopefully coming down. Don't put your hope in that. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Praise God. Why don't you turn to the person next to you, tell them, put your hope in God. Come on, they might be desperately needing to hear that now. Put your hope in God. You know, when hope runs dry, runs low, it's an indication that our focus is in the wrong place. But as we redirect our focus to God, hope is restored once again. Put your hope in God. Come on, come on. And by the way, when the Bible says abounding in hope, which is what we just read, 
I want to tell you, that's not some slick marketing campaign. You know, sometimes these motivational speakers will motivate you beyond your ability and beyond reality. No, this is not that nonsense. This is Jesus, the truth, who is speaking by inspiration through Paul, and he is saying that you may abound in hope. It's not an exaggeration. It's not an overstatement. It is completely scriptural. But the Holy Spirit is our power source of hope. We don't generate hope. We don't work up hope. But the Holy Spirit generates hope within us. Hallelujah. Now give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, church. He does it. He does it. Let's stand together as we pray. Let's stand. Father, thank you, thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, you have done so much for us. And we just want to say that we do receive your power. Your power to overcome fear. Your power to live in hope. Your power to demonstrate your power through us. But we realize, Holy Spirit, that you are the key to bringing this about. And so we purpose in our heart that we will be dependent on you. Blessed are the, the dependent, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now, Lord, I bless your people. Maybe you'd like to just lift your hands to receive this blessing from your heavenly Father. And I say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you his peace. We all say, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day. You're free to go.